Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your co-hosts Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Our first guest is the distinguished president of the National NAACP, uh, Derek Johnson. And, uh, Derek, it's good to have you on the air. Uh, I know that uh, the virus is causing a lot of things to be changed around, but first of all, I'd just like to have you uh, give uh, our listeners that don't know you just a little bit about your background before we start talking about some other subject matters. So welcome again, and share with our listeners a little bit about your background. Thank you for having me once again, and I appreciate the opportunity. Just briefly, uh, President and CEO of the National NAACP, uh, born and raised in Detroit, uh, family lives in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, um, attended a small HBCU, Tougaloo College Law School in Houston, Texas. Worked in Congress for Congressman Benny Thompson, the chair of the Committee of Homeland Security, where your daughter also worked. And I uh, appreciate the opportunity. Well, that's great. So tell us right now, I mean, you know, given the constraints of the coronavirus, this uh, has the whole country in its grips, what exactly are the uh, priority items? Well, first of all, I know you can't do a lot with the, with the virus, but what, uh, uh, what efforts is the NAACP undertaking right now? I know voting is a priority, but why don't you share with our listeners what the priorities are for the national organization? Well, the immediate priority now is the, the, the this public health pandemic that we're faced with. Uh, we immediately began to call for the CDC to release racial data so that we could understand how this virus will be impacting our community. They initially refused to do so. And once uh, states began to release uh, racial data, we began to quickly recognize that it, that it's having a desperate impact on African Americans uh, in targeted areas. Uh, in addition to that, we have been uh, monitoring and, and advocating for uh, the proper medical response in the in the areas. Uh, we've worked with sheriffs across the country to ensure that those inmates that are housed in county jails primarily, uh, because they are short timers, are provided with the necessary. Uh, uh, protective equipment, testing, uh, and wherever possible, reduce those who are uh, serving time in jail, particularly nonviolent offenders. We have been working diligently with Congress on the stimulus care packages that have passed so far. Uh, the fourth package is being negotiated now. We are deep in those negotiating negotiations uh, for the stimulus 3 and 3A. We, we advocated strongly for African-American businesses to be afforded opportunity to uh, access the Paycheck Protection uh, Program. And we're still doing that, working with uh, the Black Bankers Association, Black CDFIs. Uh, as we prepare for November, this pandemic is a man-made uh, public health crisis. It was not caused by uh, things that could, that could not have been prevented. Uh, all the warnings were there. This administration, this president, ignored uh, their responsibility to protect the American public. And now we're looking at a national health crisis that's lacking a federal response. So it's left for states who are ill-equipped and unable to manage this pandemic, and we don't know when it's going to end. And uh, that is really, really a problem right there, not knowing when it's going to end with so many of the people totally ignoring uh, the stay-at-home and then having uh, the president encouraging certain uh, governors uh, to go ahead and open back up. Uh, 
have you heard of any results like you're in Mississippi right now? What is the conditions in Mississippi right now? So Are the far, casinos closed down in Tunica? Right. Yeah. Everything, a lot of stuff here is closed down. We have not been identified as a hot spot, but only time can tell because the incubation period of the virus is over a two-week period. So you can be asymptomatic and affecting people and not know it. You can have the virus and over time develop the symptoms and not know it 14 days later. What we are seeing is a, uh, a pickup in those impacted in places like Atlanta where there was a stay-at-home uh, uh, statewide uh, uh, requirement, and two weeks later the governor lifted it. And the only information we can identify for the reason why it was lifted is, is the our understanding that the impact on African Americans was greater than anyone else. And any time you racialize an issue or a health concern uh, such as this, you begin to see the erosion of public will and empathy to try to resolve it. And for some people, they try to accelerate uh, uh, doing stuff that's, that's counter our public health uh, needs because the people who are being impacted is not from that community. And I'm afraid yeah. that more southern governors are going to continue to take that route. And that's an unfortunate indictment of how uh, far we have not come in this country. I want to see if my co-host Hayward Evans have a question or a comment. Yeah, President Johnson, that was heavy what you just said. I really, really never thought of it in that light. That's very interesting because for me, if there's a disproportionate impact on any community, black, red, blue, green, don't matter, there should be a disproportionately equal response with the allocation of resources. you got to direct it to the problem. But well, we, we have put in this country, not only over the last 10 years, but the last several decades, we have accelerated uh, the, the gap in terms of access to health care. You know, when the Affordable Care Act was passed, you had conservatives labeling the act as Obamacare to put a racialized face on it to create a false narrative that it would, would negatively impact our economy, uh, to dwindle the political will of states to expand access to health care and provide more coverage for people. And what we're seeing today is the systemic legacy of the access gap. Uh, playing out in cities like Chicago and Detroit and New York. In New York, for example, uh, one stat showing that the mass transit workers, which, which is a higher percentage of African-American Latino workers, uh, there have been more people to die from this virus than the total number of NYPD officers over the last 10, 20 years. If, if we are to believe that stat, uh, that's a tragedy because you have individuals you know, who I work every day to keep our, our public transit system moving. And so they are essential workers. They are they, they should be receiving hazard pay and provided with all of their protections, and yet uh, they are, are being impacted in a very disproportionate manner. Uh, that's, that's inhumane what we're seeing right now, and to have public officials. And, you, you know, I, I commend many officials in the western states. You all did it the correct way. But as this thing moves in the south and other targeted areas, we're seeing ill-equipped uh, jurisdictions handling a pandemic of, of seismic scope. 
Uh, President Johnson, the uh, the COVID-19, the impact data collection by race, age, economic status, is it being done for all people? And then do we know the outcomes? What happened uh, during the hospitalization? Did they receive a ventilator or did the people die? And did they record what zip code or neighborhood did they come from? And are the resources going to targeted tracing, testing? targeting. That, I mean, how are you going to target that, if you don't collect the data? The answer is no, because we have a White House. We have a president who, who is simply ill-equipped to manage this. For him to stand in the Oval Office and suggest one thing people should do is drink disinfectant, bleach and Lysol, as a way to address it. That tell you the type of response we have. It's a national crisis without a federal response. And so some states are able to manage this better than others. Some states have more resources than others. But in all cases, uh, the boundary lines that separate states are artificial. We need a federal response to this national crisis, and that's not, we don't have that. Exactly. And they've been, uh, 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 the president has been saying it's up to the states without really uh, with the federal government stepping up. But I want to change subjects right quick, uh, President Johnson. We see uh, now that uh, your, your former guy that held your position before, Kwasi and Fume, has been elected to Congress once again. And I remember the last time he was in Congress, he was responsible for conducting, uh, on a quarterly basis, uh, minority uh, business town halls, so to speak. There were forums that were held in Washington, and uh, a lot of black businesses attended uh, every quarter to these meetings, and those that's one thing, one insight, but he did come from, I guess he replaced Perrin, the late Perrin Mitchell. Uh, I'd just like to have you comment on Kwasi and Fume going back to Congress. I think it's a tremendous uh, 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 additive uh, person to the quality mix of those who serve in Congress. He brings with him a legacy of service, the expertise of his of his prior tenure in Congress, uh, I, 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 talk, I spoke with him yesterday. The, the beautiful thing about him going back is he knows where the bathrooms are. So he don't have to spend too much trying to figure out, you know, how a bill become law because he's done this before. And so he adds to the, 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 the ingredients of talent uh, that the Congressional Black Caucus currently have, and he do it from a position of authority. He served as the chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. He served as the president CEO of this nation's largest civil rights organization. He has he has served in uh, in an administrative position at an HBCU. He has continued to be an activist. So he brings tremendous experience and insight uh, in in the role of, of of U.S. congressman, a role that he served in before. Well, I want to take one minute to give a shout out to. Uh our president of the Seattle branch of the NAACP, Carolyn Riley Payne, who spent almost 40 years directing the uh, NAACP AXO program for the Seattle branch. As a matter of fact, um, as you mentioned, Angela, Angela, my daughter, uh, was one of the AXO winners that went back to nationals. And we have another distinguished gentleman by the name of Dr. Quentin Morris, who is uh, also was an AXO winner in music and is doing some out- outstanding things. So. We do have, uh, and Hayward has been a very active member of the Seattle branch, more so than I have. I'm a member of the Seattle branch and the Tacoma branch because I'm involved 
with the Tacoma Pierce County Black Electives. But I, I'm a I'm a member of two branches, and they say you're not supposed to do it, but I got to be supporting. So I want to make sure that I have I'm in good standing in Seattle and in Tacoma. So uh, yeah, uh, what what uh, pro- what are the priorities right now? I know I know that uh, voter uh, educ- voter education registration is one. What are the other priorities? I guess considering this uh, this coronavirus pandemic, I know a lot of things have to be cut short or redirected. So in a couple of minutes, can you just share with us what the priorities are right now for the, the NAACP nationally? Well, you know, as much what I said before, we are focused on this current pandemic. We are in the middle of talking with members of both the House and the Senate, discussing response, ensure black businesses get these resources, uh, working with our black banks to make sure the dollar flow to them like they are to the majority, the larger banks, uh, uh, locking in close around language to uh, uh, direct the necessary uh, uh, support for hospitals that serve, many in our community, the most vulnerable, uh, making sure that our teachers are, are provided the tools necessary so they can transition from a classroom uh, teaching to online teaching. Uh, but at the end of the day, this all is about elections. Elections have consequences. So we are consistently organizing in our target states uh, to ensure we increase the turnout of African Americans. We don't tell people how to vote. We just know that if we get them to the polls, they're going to vote the right way, however they define the right way. Hey, would you have a question or comment before we have to go? I do. Uh, I guess, uh, Mr. President, my, my concern was the, the poor people, the ones who aren't making money now and can't pay their rent. What What is the, what's going to be the relief for them? I mean, are we going to be pushing a policy of a, of a um, maybe rent deferral or some, something to supplement the landlord to that extent, or the mortgage company being placed on hold? Is that being discussed? So Yes, so there is... Uh a lot of discussion around rent support for home renters. Uh, right now, if uh, you have, if you are in a job and unable to telework and you have a government-backed mortgage, uh, there is a deferment program for that that was in the first act. Uh, and, and as we negotiate uh, more support for everyday uh, people. Uh, uh, so far, the banks and major companies have made billions of dollars as a result of this uh, crisis, now it's time for the people to benefit and be provided the necessary support. We have no idea how long this is going to last. There's been predictions that it's going to go through May. Some say it's going to go through June. And the the doomsday scenario is that we have a second wave of this virus in the fall. And so we're going to have to figure out how to continue to navigate in this in, in this country, as our economy has has all but collapsed, we are looking at some of the worst unemployment numbers since the gathering of unemployment. Our economy has shrunk by 4.8 percent uh, the first quarter, and, and they are projected that it's going to shrink even greater when the second quarter numbers come out. So we are we are in for a turbulent ride. Well, uh, President Derek Johnson, I want to thank you for your time today, and we want to have you on so. You can speak to, uh, to our listening audience on a regular basis. We do stream live on the Internet, so we do have listeners around the country. So I want to thank you very much for your time today and want to stay in touch and make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to do out here in, 
in Martin Luther King Jr. County, okay? All right. Thank you for all the work. Thank you very much. Both of you. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. Our next guest is Congressman Emanuel Cleaver out of uh, Kansas City, Missouri, uh, who is a, a former chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. As a matter of fact, Congressman Cleaver hired Angela T. Ryan to be the executive director of the Congressional Black Caucus in 2010 or 2011. The time flies. So, Congressman Cleaver, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you for uh, uh, having me. Okay, yeah, we just had uh, uh, one of your friends, uh, con- uh, President Derek Johnson, on, was talking about Kwaizi uh, uh, Infume returning to Congress to replace, to replace uh, the late Elijah Cummings. Um, and we're talking about uh, the COVID-19 and the impact it's having on various communities. And you're in Kansas City. I don't know if, the, if Missouri had a, a stay in place, that they have that order in, in Missouri? Well, we have some strange politics uh, being played in Missouri at all times because uh, this is one of the blood-red states. Uh, and so the, there was a lot of hesitancy about uh, uh, doing anything um, because, it, it, the, you know, I, I don't know how you can politicize a pandemic, but it has been done. Uh, but we, uh, we're we having our share of uh, COVID-19 deaths and uh, and, and infections, but uh, it has not been at the level uh, that uh, is being experienced uh, on the East Coast uh, from New York southward. Uh, but make no mistake, there's not going to be a, a, a community or a congressional district uh, anywhere in the country that uh, does not uh, have uh, some pain uh, created as a result of of this novel uh, virus. Now, is it a disproportionate effect on the black community in Kansas City like it is in other, other parts of the country? Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be that way everywhere. Uh, and uh, although although I have one of the weird congressional districts in, in, the, in the sense that uh, the majority of my, uh, my uh, constituents are not African-American, uh, uh, but that just points out uh, even more clearly what what is happening here because uh, we represent the largest percentage of, uh, of COVID-19 victims. And so uh, we are uh, struggling like everyone else. Uh, and and I, I'm predicting that uh, we're going to uh, see a, 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 a dramatic rise uh, over the next uh, 10 to 12 days, not just in Kansas City, but I think uh, in Georgia and a, and a number of other places uh, where the uh, stay-at uh, 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 orders have been uh, ignored uh, or substituted. And, uh, you know, that no matter uh, whether uh, an African-American or Latino feels fully healthy right now, the truth of the matter is that I, I think the, the, the political class in our country is in a state of healthcare denial. Uh, they, they, on one hand, wanted to talk about how great uh, the American healthcare system is, and it's maybe the best in the world. But the truth is, um, we, we, we are, are not, uh, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, racial uh, inequities and in the, in the income and the uh, uh, healthcare system, uh, and uh, and we, we, we suffer from all kinds of things. For example, uh, I, I think the president has done a tremendous amount of damage because 
of the the things that he's been saying that are not true. Uh, and um, you know, when you say this is a version of the flu and uh, it'll be gone and it's like magic. Well, my father, for example, is uh, in his in his 90s. He won't take a a, a flu shot now. Uh, African Americans and Latinos are always uh, hesitant, and and uh, you can even use the word paranoid uh, when it comes to uh, you know taking shots. Uh, they remember what happened with the Tuskegee experiment. My father died. Uh, my his brother, my uncle was a Tuskegee pilot. That so they, they they'll they'll never forget that. And then uh, you know when somebody comes along and says drink bleach. Uh, you know, get a good, a healthy shot of uh, Lysol, and it'll, it'll make you uh, all right. Uh, all of those things play uh, to the uh, detriment of African Americans, who uh, you know have have some uh, some strange beliefs. But even those who don't have strange beliefs are impacted because we live in the most crowded parts of the community. Uh, and last week, uh, I was going to the uh, back to Washington. To vote on this uh, this package, this uh, uh, economic or health care package, or however we want to uh, uh, call it, and uh, one of the things uh, that uh, that happened uh, was uh, on the way to the airport, I, I was driving down one of our main thoroughfares, uh, our staffer was, and there was a group, uh, probably 75, 80 percent of them were African Americans standing. In front of a food shelter, uh, they were eating uh, lunch, and uh, they had been given lunch uh, by this agency that, that's doing the right thing. But none of them, none of them, had on uh, any kind of protective uh, mask uh, or gloves. And so, um, I, I think uh, you know that, that gathering. I, I said to my staffer. You know, probably uh, there, there was just two or three people with the with the virus, and uh, by this time next week, there'll be 25 or 30 uh, with the virus. Um, and I, I just uh, I, I see things happening to us uh, that would not happen to uh, another group. And then there there exists uh, one of my friends who is a physician said, you know, it goes all the way back to slavery. That there is this weird and and almost perverted belief that that black people have a different level of pain uh, that uh, we can, we can tolerate far more pain than other races. Now, uh, you know, it, it probably comes out of slavery and and uh, the the the, the uh, uh, kinds of discrimination that followed, but it plays into this whole issue of uh, of the lack of sufficient health care, and, um, it, it, and it's, not, it, it's not something that's getting better. Uh, we, we, we're going to have to fight through this, this whole thing. And when I say fight through it, uh, I'm saying that the Congressional Black Caucus is now trying to, to make sure that when we do another package, uh, that uh, we take into account, that, that, that the Congress and the President take into account uh, that, you know, we, we have been uh, hurt more than any other group, the minority groups have been hurt. Uh, and let me just say this for, uh, you know, um, U.S. health care uh, outcomes fail from 20th to 27th 
in, in a 10-year period. And, and, and I'm saying that right now is that, you know, uh, when the health care outcomes fall, that, that's us. Uh, we are, uh, you know, we think, think about this, I want to, your listeners. The United States ranks dead last in life expectancy for men uh, and second to last for women among the 17th uh, wealthiest nation. Uh, so if health care, and that's, that's with Americans without regard to race, so if that, if that is uh, accurate, and, and it is, uh, then you, you can just imagine uh, what uh, is happening to African-Americans and Latinos. Yeah. I want to let our listeners know that you're listening to Congressman Emmanuel Cleaver out of, out of Kansas City, and uh, he is sharing some information about what's happening in his district and also what the plans are for the Congressional Black Caucus. I'd also like to see if my uh, co-host, Haywood Evans, have a question or a comment for you, Congressman. Yeah, thank you, Congressman, uh, for being with us today. You know, my, my question is sort of a, from a moral perspective. It seems to me, has Congress even thought about that no person, company, or entity should be allowed to make a profit off of this pandemic? Has that issue ever came up? How can these people yes, be sir. making money hand over fist during a pandemic, in the name of the pandemic, becoming wealthy? Uh, Senator Kobachauer and I introduced two weeks ago a bill uh, that uh, we, we hope that we can get passed as soon as we, we, we get back. But it's a gouging, we, it's a gouging legislation uh, to, to address just what you, you're talking about. Uh, and we, uh, we, we're, we're hoping that we can get some um, Republican support. But believe it or not, I, 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 this is going to be hard for you and maybe even the listeners to believe. Uh, but when we start talking about anti-gouging legislation, uh, it automatically uh, gets some Republicans opposed to it, uh, and as well as the president, because you know they're thinking. Uh, well, uh, let me try, I try to be careful here, but uh, you know, um, uh, people make money, and and, uh, and a lot of people who, who earn a lot of money. Uh, during pandemics and, and, and catastrophes like Katrina, um, and, and those are, are, are probably 95% uh, not African-Americans or Latinos. Uh, and so, it, you know, when a, when a tragedy hit, I mean, some people began to salivate. It's like, oh, uh, happy days are here again. And, uh, and they, they use this time to... Uh, to fatten their pockets, uh, and it's, been, it's happening here. Uh, and we're trying to uh, stop it. Uh, Klobuchar uh, uh, introduced it in the Senate, and I introduced it in the House. It hasn't come up for a vote, but when, and when we get back and we begin to talk about it, you'll, you'll uh, you know, read about it in the news, and you're going to find that the resistance is coming uh, from the White House uh, all the way over to the, uh, the House and the Senate. Congressman, when, when will the, the Congress reconvene? Well, we, we were called to come back uh, on this coming Monday, but the House, the uh, attending physician of the House, uh, the only perks that's still there, used to be a lot of perks in Congress, they don't, they don't have to anymore, uh, but we have, a, we have a, a, a very small naval hospital operation inside the Capitol. Uh, and uh, they're there all day, every day, because we don't have time, you know, to, to go out 
uh, to a doctor's appointment somewhere uh, off uh, off the Capitol Hill camp- campus. So we have these doctors and nurses that are up there, and they end up treating more people uh, who are who are tourists than the members. But uh, that's a digression. Uh, but the, the the attending physician, who is a, a rear admiral, uh, went to uh, the leadership of Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy and said, absolutely no, absolutely under no circumstance will I say publicly or privately that, that uh, I supported uh, Congress coming back in. Uh, so uh, I would predict that, ju- that June may be the first week that we get in. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go if, 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 uh, if you put 435 men and women in a chamber together, uh, and we know that this is one of the most highly contagious virus in modern times. We don't know about what happened in, uh, you know, in, in the uh, uh, days when we had to, when the, the, the world suffered from the plague. But this, this is a contagious uh, virus, and, and uh, it can jump from human to human. And so it's, uh, I have a friend, uh, Congressman Alfie Hastings, who said he believes that this this, uh, uh, this virus has gone to college uh, and, and studied anatomy and physiology because it, it, it knows how to get to you. Uh, and um, and so uh, I, I'm, I'm not uh, interested in going in there and picking up this virus from somebody uh, just because uh, somebody else believes that for their own political purposes uh, they need to pretend that uh, none of this is happening. Well, Congressman Cleaver, as always, it's always good to hear your wisdom, and we certainly appreciate you taking the time out to appear on Urban Forum Northwest with Hayward Evans and Eddie Ryder Day. And uh, I guess uh, the uh, CVC, uh, the annual event in Tunica, Mississippi, will be canceled this year as well. Uh, the Congressional yes. Black Caucus Institute is posted by Congressman Benny Thompson in Tunica, Mississippi. I guess that'll be canceled this year, right? Yes. Uh, for the first time since uh, Richard Nixon was president, the Congressional Black Caucus will not have its annual legislative conference, the ALC, uh, which usually attracts four to 5,000 uh, African Americans from all over the country uh, who are in positions of leadership uh, all over the country. Uh, but we we found we we uh, decided that it, it, it did not make sense that we we're already the subjects of greater deaths uh, percentage wise from COVID nineteen to then create the environment for it to come again. Uh, and to, we, we don't want the COVID nineteen to visit the congressional uh, black caucus's annual legislative conference. And I have a strong suspicion uh, that I will tell you right now uh, that and. Uh, I will be stunned if we have uh, a Democratic convention uh, for the first time probably since the, we we, uh, we created the new levels of, of party and partisanship in the country uh, because we're supposed to meet, uh, the convention is supposed to be in, in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I don't, I don't conceive of many people who are willing to go into an, uh, an auditorium of uh, at least 20,000 people, and we'd have about 22,000 people in there, uh, that people are going to be comfortable in doing that. I've spoken yeah, at every convention since the one prior to Bill Clinton coming into the White House, and I can tell you right now the show 
I'm not going. And I'm a super okay. delegate. Okay, Congressman Sweet, we want to thank you very much uh, for your time today, as always, uh, for being a guest on Urban Forum Northwest with Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. We appreciate it, and uh, we will follow your lead, sir. So thank you very much for your time today, and All you right. and your family be safe. All right, blessings. Thank you. Okay, blessings to you, too. Okay, we're going to take a break and come back with Hayward Evans after the break. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Walking your talk? Take us with you. The KKNW app makes streaming our programming easy on your phone or tablet. All right, Eric is spinning the tunes and Hayward Evans and Eddie Riot, Urban Forum Northwest. Uh, I want to let people know that Minister Shirley Poston at Tabernacle Missionary Baptist Church wants you to know that uh, Wednesdays and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., if you're experiencing a cough, a shortness of breath, or a fever, you can go down to the Atlantic City boat ramp, which is right across the street from Rainier Beach High School. they got a drive-through where you can be tested. And also, Urban Forum Northwest is brought to you by Sound Transit, Small Business Development Labor Compliance Office, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Office, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, Concourse Concessions with David Pukahara, CTAC Bar Group, LLC, Rod O'Neill and Jerry Whitsitt, and Stephanie Ogle does our website. And if you haven't seen it, go to the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development and check out the website that she has put up for us. Now, Haywood Evans is going to talk about uh, a, a program that the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee is sponsoring, and it was going to be a float in the parade, but because of the virus, Haywood has switched up to do something more constructive. Go right ahead, Haywood. Oh, thank you, Eddie. Thank you for having me. Uh, Eddie and I, we uh, co-convened the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee, and the uh, mission is to... Um, preserve, educate, and empower people to learn about the history of the civil rights movement and to work on issues of social justice. Anybody knows us, they know that's what, that's what we do. 
But because of Governor Jay Inslee's stay home, stay healthy order, and the fact that this, this, this pandemic is serious, and we encourage people even to stay home, stay safe, not just for you, but for me, too, to protect me. But so what we did was, because last year, like Eddie pointed out, we won first place for workmanship on our float in the parade. And that was a first float from the African-American community in the parade in over 30 years. We took first place for workmanship. Well, this year, rather than the uh, float being in a parade where everybody's coming out, we said that we would move it and we would have an inspiring arts contest. So what we're saying is that people stay home, but then focus on art, art in the spirit of community unity. So we're looking for community unity. We have uh, 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 three different um, categories. Pre-K, little kids can draw to through sixth grade. Young adults, seventh grade through twelfth grade. And then adults, 18 and older. The three categories. And the uh, theme, again, is community unity. And there's five different... Yeah, hey, we'll be coming up with some information every week. Uh, on this whole contest, because we got Juan Bocanegra standing by, and Juan is leading a uh, caravan to Olympia tomorrow to support the essential and excluded workers, because we know a lot of people uh, are not documented, but they're relied on to pick the crops and do everything else. Uh, but when it comes time to get paid, they don't get paid. So, Juan Bocanegra, are you with Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye right now? Thank you, Eddie, and Hayward, thank you very much. Hey, Juan, my brother. How you doing, brothers? Okay, man, tell us what's up for, for tomorrow. It's May Day. We won't be marching this year. No, unfortunately, we won't be in the streets of Seattle tomorrow. We'll be on a car caravan up to Olympia, Washington. We start from St. Mary's Church at 11 o'clock in the morning and meet up with people that are coming from Bellingham, Everett, uh, Marysville, that northern part of the state. Their brothers and sisters that are coming uh, to meet us, but mostly people from the farm worker community up in the Skagit Valley, who have asked us, who have asked us to join the caravan, they also have a message for the governor. And the message for the governor, on behalf of the farm worker community, is that the rules that they are trying to set up to so-called protect the farm workers are not the rules that the farm workers want. The, far, the rules that they're trying to set up are the rules of the farmers and the growers. And that does not protect the, the life and health and safety of the farm worker himself. Or the, uh, you know, and so we're, we're taking that message. That's one of our, the many messages that we have. The first message that we're taking to Olympia tomorrow is that we support the governor's policies on health. Anything that will keep us healthy that will keep us safe, we appreciate that. However, we also know that there's a big, big issue with people being left out of the stimulus uh, effort. And, and uh, how they determine who is more worthy than others is by the mere fact that this country has some real racist immigration policies that are targeting a certain population of immigrants and refugees. And so we're very concerned uh, about the, the lack of support on behalf of the federal government. But given the administration that's there, it's not, not a big surprise. It's been relentless against the attack on, on immigrants since the minute 
even before he stepped into office. <clears throat> he doesn't represent our interests. So we're going back to the state of Washington and asking the governor to create a $100 million uh, one-time fund for for farm work for immigrants and undocumented workers that do not qualify under the stimulus package. Why is that? Because people need to survive. This this money will help families that are unable to get other resources from other uh, process. That's one issue that we're putting together, and we're coming together with other coalitions like the Washington. Uh, Washington Immigrant Immigration Solidarity Network with uh, Northwest Immigrant Rights Project with One America with a whole bunch of other coalitions throughout the Northwest and we have merged into one uh, group in terms of trying to put this particular issue before the governor. The other uh, point that we want to stress on the governor is that the issue of unemployment or employment uh, security resources for workers, specifically for undocumented workers, is not nothing new. It's historical. It's been historical, and we need to have that practice stop. The, the undocumented worker is a worker that needs to, as much protection as any other worker, and they also need the support because those monies are not a gift to the worker. Those are monies that belong to the worker themselves except the federal government, like all the rest of the monies, the Social Security, all the other investments that the, that the undocumented worker puts in there, are stolen. They never get to get it back. And that... Welcome, before, before we run out of time, can you give folks a logistic on where they're meeting? And I do have it posted on Eddie Rye's Facebook page, the fire you sent me. So that's mm -hmm. on my Facebook page. But if you could give folks a logistics before we run out of time for tomorrow. No problem. We are meeting, uh, we're asking people to arrive uh, by before 11 o'clock at St. Mary's Church. We plan to uh, stage the cars along the side of the curb or even the school parking lot behind St. Mary's Church in, in whatever way we can. So we're staging. We're driving down Jackson Street at 11, between 11 and 11.30. We're pulling out, and we're driving down Jackson, and we hang a left on 2nd Avenue, which turns into 4th Avenue and up to the ramp. And on the ramp, we will uh, merge in with the, with the traffic, and hopefully the folks from Bellingham will be able to catch up with us at that point. We will be traveling at approximately 40 miles an hour in a caravan, uh, being very cautious about how we're going about doing this because convoys are not like marches. So yes. we plan to drive <laughs> we, all the we way. we got to make sure that Seattle Police Chief Carmen Bess is in the loop and also the uh, State Patrol Chief John yes, Batiste is also in the loop to uh, make sure you guys are escorted properly because we understand uh, some right-wingers will be down in Olympia again tomorrow too. So uh, hopefully the people will take that into consideration. Boca, we're going to have to have you back on so you can – Give us an update on what happened uh, on Friday, May 1st. Uh, we be driving be and not walking tomorrow, this time. We will be streaming live on Facebook and other platforms, so keep in touch. We will send you the link. We appreciate it, my brother, and I'll put it on my Facebook page underneath the flyer. 
Okay, Carnales, you stay safe, okay? Okay, now, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and come back with Donna Panapinto after the break. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Some people know a good thing when they hear it. Alternative Talk 1150. We're back. Hey, with Evans Smitty, right back with our next guest, who is Donna Ponapinto, the dynamic executive director of the United Way of Pierce County. And she has been collaborating with other organizations to make sure the people in need are getting the essentials they need to survive during this coronavirus. So, Donna, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest once again, and let us know what you're doing. Great. Well, good afternoon, Eddie. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to share a little bit about uh, what United Way of Pierce County is doing uh, in the community as a result of uh, this coronavirus. Uh, well, we are definitely keeping busy along with all of the other wonderful nonprofits that are uh, frontline and out there every day. Uh, trying to meet the needs of the most vulnerable populations. So some of the key things that we're doing, um, our 211 uh, is an information call center. Um, we're one of seven in the state, and, and uh, my team has been working from 6 a.m. till 10 o'clock at night uh, taking phone calls as part of the statewide effort um, to uh, funnel uh, calls into 211 call centers for folks that have questions around uh, COVID-19. Uh, so uh, we've seen an increase, um, as you what might imagine, an over 2%, uh, 200% increase in the volume of calls going uh, to 211 as a result of all of this. You know, we're also talking a lot to organizations out there in the community, uh, finding out what their immediate needs are uh, so that we can figure out how best collectively to address those. Uh, volunteer opportunities. Uh, we're the one of the points 
for uh, funneling individuals who are interested in volunteering uh, onto our website uh, to uh, look to see, you know, what kinds of opportunities are out there. So uh, right now we've had, I, today I, I heard from my team over 7,000 hits to our website, about 140 volunteers. Um, and then resources, just, you know, making sure that uh, we're compiling all the information that people uh, would want to know in terms of getting access to resources um, out there in the community and, and pulling from all the various organizations so that there's one central place. Um, all of that to say is that the most important piece of this work is our partnership with the Greater Tacoma Community Foundation. Um, we, when all of this happened, uh, United Way of Pierce County and the Greater Tacoma Community Foundation partnered for an aligned philanthropic response to how do we address some of these emerging community needs. Uh, and what is great about this and our partnership is not only is it our two organizations, but um, as of now there's about roughly 42 philanthropic partners and over, I think now it's probably 200 individuals that have donated into this fund. So we have about uh, $6.8 million into this fund. And the whole idea is that we're getting this money out back out into the community to serve the most vulnerable uh, clients and the most urgent needs around housing and shelter, uh, food, childcare, uh, for first responders and medical providers. So that's, that was when we first started, we wanted to get resources out rapidly to those that needed it the most. Uh, and to date, uh, we have allocated about 3 million of the 6.8 million. Uh, and so, you know, the next step is to look at what are the other resources coming into uh, the county and how can we uh, leverage uh, the philanthropic community's resources with that of the government, uh, the, the dollars that will be coming in through the county government. So, you know, you know what I see are, are a lot of opportunities uh, there out in the community for us to partner, for us to do things differently. Uh, and to really look at the systems that are currently in place, uh, and we know that the systems are at capacity. So United Way, you know, we're doing our part by trying to gather as much information as we can uh, so that it can help inform uh, what the Pierce County Connected Fund uh, is doing uh, and what others will be doing as well in the community as we, you know, at some point uh, come out of all of this. Uh, but it'll definitely be a new normal. It's not going to be the same. I don't. I don't think it'll ever be the same. I agree with you. Now, how can people get in touch with you or the people that's providing the services? People who are in need of uh, any of the items you mentioned—housing, food, clothing, yes. shelter. How, yes. how can they get in touch with you and your team? Well, I, well, they can go on our website if you go to www.uwpc. That org um, on our main page of the website. People can get involved in, in different ways. They can donate to the Pierce County Connected Fund. Uh, they can um, uh, also look at all the different funders and the organizations that we funded. Uh, if they're interested in all the resources that is there and our volunteer opportunities, they can also call 211 as well if they need additional information. Okay. I want to see if my co-host Hayward Evans have a comment or a question for you. 
Oh, first, thank you for, for being with us. Uh, yeah, I did have a comment. What about, because uh, I haven't heard anybody really say, free mass. If I'm, if I'm poor or homeless or something, or is there a place that they can go people can get a mask or gloves or something? You know, uh, a lot of the, the uh, homeless shelters, you know, um, are, you know, those things are hard to come, you know, that a lot of those resources are, you know, have been challenging for people to get. You know, I would just contact, um, you know, the homeless shelter. You can call 211 as well. You know, the um, there's initiative that has just kicked off from the lieutenant governor's office of the state of Washington, the mask, Washington mask challenge. Uh, and so the idea is that uh, we get individuals to volunteer to make masks so that we can then distribute those to organizations throughout the community. Um, there is information that is going to be coming out on social media about that, and, and so anyone who wants to be a part of making masks can uh, do that. In the meantime, it, um, I would suggest contacting uh, you know, one of the shelters or contacting 211, and they can put you in uh, the right direction. Yeah, and you can uh, use those bandanas, too. <laughs> <laughs> to make a cloth mask. You know, I mean, they say they work. There's a lot so, of you know. ways to make homemade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do, you know, do you know which group in, in Pierce County is doing data collection to identify the communities with the greatest need for uh, tracing and testing? You know, the, it would be the health department. You got to have fact, a one minute I, answer. We're running out of time, though. Uh, give us a one minute uh, answer. Yes, I would contact the health department, and they put out reports every day in Pierce County, and they have, and that information is on our website as well. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, Donna, with all the work you guys are doing and all the services that people need, we will have you on regularly so that you can uh, keep uh, our folks abreast of where they can go to get help. And when I talk about United Way, i got to think about our Hayward and our, our, Martin, our Seattle Martin Luther King uh, Committee uh, member, who does a lot of work. Her name is Leanne Bannerman, and she's with United Way of Kane County. So uh, every, all, you, all you United Way people are on top of it. That's all yeah. I can say. And I appreciate, like, appreciate your time today and appreciate what you're doing. And keep in touch and let me know, since I, since I won't be seeing you at the collective, let me know what you're doing so we can get you back on there. So thank you very much, Adana. We appreciate you. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great afternoon. Okay. You too, now. All right, before we check out, I just want to let you know that Urban Forum Northwest is brought to you by Sound Transit Small Business Development and Labor Compliance Office, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Office, the Port of Seattle Diversity Contracting Office, Concourse Concessions, SeaTac Bar Group LLC, and Stephanie Ogle does our website, and check out the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development uh, on, the, on your website and see exactly what's going on as well as uh, there's a Facebook page as well. So uh, Lyle Quasim has called me now. I tried to get you on the air, Lyle. I'll get your phone in a minute. So, Eric, thanks very much. We'll talk with you again next week. Hey, well, thank you. And uh, we're going to get the information out about uh, the art contest. It's very important.